0: well good morning, good morning let's Mr. go ahead and let's begin um good to be here why don't we just go around and just say our names again just so that we get uh, to know one another we'll start with you
1: my name is morgan blake uh catherine kobe seth Thompson. kate dylan and t charlie dylan kobe lindy ross Anastasia scroll Daly. dally michaela <laughs> dally <laughs>
0: Brindley, you're Brindley. There you go, and I'm Phil. And the stick, strong. There we go. Um, What does the church stand for? Truth, the pillar and support of the truth. Uh, Today we're going to look at uh, the first vow of membership. Before we go any further, First first vow. Bow a bow. What's, bow, well. what? What's this bow. new new reformed language? Let's uh, let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for this day and thank you for each of these people that you've brought here today. We ask, oh Father, that you bless our discussion and that the, the importance, the weightiness of church membership uh, might be felt in every, uh, in every heart in this place. Father, we know it is an important thing, uh, a weighty thing. Um, and yet a wonderful thing at the same time. Would you, Lord, give us uh, understanding? Would you, Father, give us a personal understanding of what it means to be a member of the church and to understand uh, the significance of it? Bless this time of discussion, this time of teaching. We pray that uh, your people will be grounded and uh, and uh, solid in what they believe. And so we ask for your help in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, there are five vows of membership, and sometimes we wonder, people may wonder, why would I teach a class structured around the vows of membership? And do you have any guesses why that might be significant?
1: Because they're vows.
0: Because they're vows? You
1: need to know and understand the implications
0: of what we're vowing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in marriage, my daughter Diana, when she came to me and she said, Ben and I want to get married, I made the, I asked the stupidest question. I said, "Do you know what you're getting into?" She goes, "Yes." And I said, I said "No, you don't. How could you know that?" I said, "You I mean you watch it? You watch it in your parents' homes. You you see these things, but personally, there's a lot invested in it. Um, and the vows, if you recall, um, anyone who's been married for any amount of time." understands this, that there are days that you go, you know, it might be easier if I weren't married right now. And then you look down at your hand and you see a ring and you say, but I promise, I promise for richer, for poorer, and sickness and health, uh, better or worse till death do us part. And you go, okay, we're gonna make this work. We're gonna make it work. We're gonna get through these things and we're gonna come out on the other side of these things better. Right, you're reminded of these things. Uh, I want to hand out just a couple of Bible verses. Can you look up for us Numbers 30, verse two? And Catherine, would you read for us Ecclesiastes five, verses four and five? We don't live by vows anymore, but we ought to because they're what hold us to hold our feet to the fire when we don't feel like going through with it. And that's why we would teach a class around vows so that you know what you're getting into and and so that you can take these things intelligently with integrity and follow through on these things. You have it there, Morgan? Numbers 30, verse 2. Good and love, good and love. Just verse 2. Just verse 2.
1: When a man makes a Lord, when a man... When a man makes a vow, the Lord or takes an oath to ob- obligate, obligate himself by a pledge. He must not break his word, but must do everything he said.
0: Okay, and then Ecclesiastes 5, verses 4 and 5.
1: <clears throat> when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools pay what you have vowed,
0: better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Okay, so it's a weighty thing. We, we obligate ourselves to the Lord uh, in the things that we take, and they're important things to do. My father used to say, Philip, when you tell people you're going to do something, you do it. You obligate yourself and then you follow through on it, don't go back on your word. Um, a vow is more than just a bond, that a pledge of my word, right? It's a promise unto the Lord that I'm going to do something, and so you see how the scriptures, and there are many other scriptures I just gave, picked out two uh, to tell you how the scriptures look at vows. So there are two vows uh, in particular. Uh, there are five vows altogether. Five vows of membership. Two deal with uh, with what we believe. Um, and we, they start off saying, do you believe? Uh, vows one and two, I'm going to read these two vows to us. Uh, these are ones concerning what you believe. The first vow is this, do you believe the Bible, consisting of the Old and New Testaments, to be the word of God and its doctrine of salvation to be the perfect and only true doctrine of salvation? The second vow says this, do you believe in one living and true God in whom eternally there are three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are the same in being and equal in power and glory, and that Jesus Christ is God the Son come in the flesh. That's the second vow, and that vow we'll cover next week. Amos asked a question in Amos 3.3. He says, do two men walk together unless they have made an appointment or have made an agreement, have come to some agreement? Meaning people don't walk together unless they are in agreement about where they are going and what is to be their final destination. If their final destination is the same, then they will travel together. Paul would say it like this in Second Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with dark- darkness? Do you see that? So the question is, How do you become a member of a church if you don't believe what that church believes? How can you travel together? How can we labor together if we're just coming into the church and saying, well, they're a nice group of people, but I don't really believe what they believe. You see, this is is a very important thing, and especially in our days of wokeness, where we find all of the woke theology and doctrine and teachings, things like this, People may say, well, I, sure, I believe these things, but I don't necessarily believe that. And so you find then there's there's tension, there's contention. Now, saying this, bear in mind, we're not saying that everyone has to be the same, but you must believe the same thing. And this, this first vow again says this, do you believe the Bible consisting of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God and its doctrine of salvation to be perfect, Hey, how Sorry, are you? Good. Glad you made it. <laughs> Everyone, this is Kyle. <laughs> Hi, Kyle. <laughs> oh, you're... Glad you made it, Kyle. I know. Uh, yeah, glad really, you made really it. Rhodes are me.
2: bad this morning in my house.
0: <laughs> That's, I'm glad you're here. We're covering the first vow. I'll read it again. Okay. Okay, this is the vow of membership. Do you believe the Bible, consisting of the Old and New Testaments, to be the word of God, and its doctrine of salvation to be the perfect and only... Notice that only true doctrine of salvation. So you don't come into the church and say, Well, I believe that there's, I believe that what you're saying is true, but I also believe that the Buddhists have it right too. That's not what you're vowing. What you're, you're saying is, is, I believe this gospel, as presented in the scriptures, is the only perfect and true doctrine of salvation. You see this? It, it's, it's very, it's very narrow and what we say we believe so again uh, last time we looked at this we were looking uh, we met we said this from the Westminster Confession of Faith chapter 25 paragraph 1 the Catholic or Universal Church which is invisible consists of the whole number of the elect that have been are or shall be gathered into one under Christ the head thereof and is the spouse the body the fullness of him that fills all and all. And then in paragraph two they said this, the visible church which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel not confined to one nation as before under the law, consists of all those throughout the world who profess the true religion. What's the true religion? Christianity. This is the true religion right here. Um, and, and we'll have to, we'll define that more because there are other people who would hold up this book too <laughs> right uh, along with their other books or they would hold it up along with their their traditions um, so but consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ the house and family of God out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation so understand that as we talk about church membership the church is not a club made up of people sharing common interests, like hunting or golf or politics. While we may have common opinions and interests on matters, and oftentimes we do, because the scriptures direct us in this way, uh, we are not gathered here because I'm a hunter, because I like golf and that church likes to play golf, the guys in that church, or I like guns and that church, they like guns or I voted for Trump and they all voted for him. That's not why we gather in the church. We gather in the church because we have a common belief, we have a common Savior, a common God, um, and, and it centers on the Word of God. The church visible consists of the whole number of those who profess the truth concerning Jesus Christ and their children. Are you with me so far? and of course I'm I'm, uh, please at any point ask as many questions as you want Um, I will work to get through this material today but uh, never I I never want to run roughshod over anyone who may have a question but it's what what we believe is fundamental to everything else that goes on otherwise you shouldn't you shouldn't join if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ then you shouldn't become a member of the church if you don't believe you think we're too narrow and this understanding of the gospel, then this isn't the church for you. Um, I was at a theology pub. I got invited to a, a pub here in Lander. It was a very interesting experience for me. Guy down the street said, hey, would you like to come to theology pub? We'd like to talk about theology. I'm like, sure. So I went in there and I sat down and I went about two or three weeks, uh, maybe three or four weeks. And they started to take a real dislike to me every time I opened my mouth because I and I wasn't mean-spirited I didn't do any of that I would say but you know the Bible says or the Lord says or Jesus said you know I'm the way the truth and life no one comes to the Father but through me this was a broadly churched, philosophical group and and you would think in a theology pub the Bible the scriptures the Lord being quoted would be welcomed the day I left was the day that they said, you can no longer use the Bible, the scripture, or claim that Jesus said. And I, I got up, but Jonathan Anderson was with me at this meeting, and I said, I said, Jonathan, I think it's time for us to go. And I said, unless we can quote them, my opinion means nothing. And uh, they said, you know, you're too narrow. You're too narrow, and, you're, and but that's, that's, that's the scriptures. The scriptures are narrow, and they're 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 for all manner of sinners, from every tribe, tongue, and nation. But it is not does not allow for different uh, different gospels, so-called gospels, right? So we share a common creed, and it has to do with the word of God, what it teaches concerning salvation, and what it teaches us concerning who God is. Now. Should we should we take the attitude? Well, if you don't like this gospel, you know it doesn't matter. You can go to some other church. Well, what what do you say to something like that? Because that seems to be the mantra of our age. You know, we're gonna every every truth is is acceptable. Is that true? No, I mean you're you're welcome to believe what you want, but remember this: ideas have consequences. Right. So if you're not following Jesus Christ, if you think Christ isn't the way, then what's what's at stake yeah go ahead and say it what's at stake eternity everything your soul your life how you approach life how you live in this world truth matters the scriptures matter and so that's that's understand you're you're in a church you're sitting in a membership class in a church that is by and large frowned down upon by the broader culture you realize that, don't you? We we're considered radical here. That's what you're associating with. And many churches, and in fact the guy who hosted the theology pub, he was a Methodist. He's not the current Methodist minister. He was the former one. He sat there and he said, someone said, um, well, he he was a Methodist. I said, now, you know, you took vows of membership or vows uh, of ordination vows. And I read those ordination vows. I went on the internet and I looked up their ordination files and I said, you had to attest that Christ was the only way. <clears throat> and they, and he goes, I did. I don't know, maybe he didn't say I did. Um, but he must have, because he was an ordained Methodist minister. One of the people in the group said, do you actually believe what he's saying? He goes, no, I, I don't believe that. That's what he said. Billy Graham did the same thing. That's shameful. It's shameful. You can't you can't do that. Now you're gonna be popular with the world, you do things like that. If you're gonna be faithful to Christ, you don't say things like that, and you don't encourage things like that. And that's not being mean spirited. Um in love and in kindness, you, you draw that line in the sand. You must. That's that's what are we're talking about. We're that exclusive. We're not more exclusive than the Bible, but we are as exclusive as Jesus is. That uh, the the way to the into the kingdom of heaven is as broad as his shoulders were, and that's that's who we will preach and teach. Do you believe these things? That's this is the vow. If we can't agree on the most fundamental aspects of this creed, we have no agreement in being put together, and a covenantal bond is really pointless. Um, so notice that our standards speak to many aspects beyond these things, which are not required for membership. So, like I said. There are many things we're all different we're coming from different backgrounds right we've got different experiences we have different melatonin in our skin right we got lighter and darker um the church is for sinners that's what we know ben carson said it so well uh when he was running for president he goes what i've noticed in the midst of all the race stuff i really loved his statement he goes what i've noticed as a surgeon over how many decades he says when you cut them open they all look the same (laughs) I thought that was a great phrase and and spiritually it would be the same thing right no matter what skin color you are inside uh, we're all the same so there are many things that you can believe or that you would do personally which would be fine Um, some of you may drink in moderation some of you may not some of you may watch movies, some of you don't like movies, none of you should be watching movies that are godless that, uh, that elevate and, and, and glorify sin um, but even that's not in the vows per se um, <coughs> the elders of the church and the deacon have to uh, adhere to the Westminster standards and have no exceptions uh, members can have exceptions to various things yeah, <laughs> our brother Charlie here has, was born and raised, and will probably die with Baptist convictions. And yet, he's here. Um, he, you won't find Charlie and Kay baptizing their children, <laughs> mainly because they're too big now. They're they're <laughs> 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 but uh, and and he won't serve as an elder or a deacon. But he's a brother in the Lord. Um, the elders and deacons must hold to the to the standards. Uh, without that exception,
3: and I believe that is truly important, I mean, if I were, I I believe I'm Biblically qualified to be an elder, but to be an elder in this church, my understanding of certain things would, I think, possibly unconsciously influence my view on some things that might come before the session. That's right. not intending to to be divisive or anything, but just because I'm I'm not in agreement totally with them there. And I think that's important for the, for the board, the session, to be that way, that they are united in, in spirit that way. Right. They're, they're going to have their differences too. But I think that's really important. I think that's a standard that, you, that uh, a church should take. You know, If you're going to serve on the board of this church, you need to agree with what board. The doctrinal standard.
0: For. Divided house, said Jesus. So that, right. You know, doesn't that, stand. I think that's
3: exactly the way it should be.
0: Lindy, did you have a question? No. Challenge? You're just <laughs> threatening me with a fist. Yes, we'll
1: talk
0: about it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what we believe. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. Some of you were in uh, the Westminster class a few weeks back. And so, for, for you, this will be a little bit uh, more. Seth, you have your Bible. Could you read for us 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17? 2 Timothy 3:14 through 17. 2 Timothy 3:14 through 17. 14 through 17. Yes. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and
3: firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work.
0: Okay. Um, What version are you reading from? ESV. Okay, good. That was a good translation. Um, So the word inspired, right? We believe that the word of God is inspired. What do we mean by inspired? Because there's many, there's a, there's a, uh, the Hallmarkian <laughs> influence on our culture of what it means to be inspired. What do we mean by inspired? It means that God, the Holy Spirit, uh,
3: gave the writers of Scripture the
0: words to write down. Okay. Literally, God breathed. I think the That's passage true. he was reading there talks uh, about they were driven along. Oh, and Peter would talk about this too, the prophets right, yeah. um, being moved along. Yeah,
3: that's
0: a- here, here, Paul is making the statement that the scriptures, the word of God, is actually God-breathed. It's not just, you know, when we watch a movie or, or, you know, if you were the poets of the past, this woman inspired a great song in me. You know, she she moved upon me in such a way that I had to write this tremendous song for her, or the sunset inspired me to the, to perform this painting. We don't mean that God is simply nudging us along or giving us warm feelings than the word of God came from. We actually mean God spoke this word to us. So we believe that the original autographs, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, were breathed by God, and that we have our translations uh, are authoritative in as far as they are accurate and we believe that we have a wholly reliable translation and we went over this in the Sunday School class Um, between all the manuscript the manuscript evidence for our English Bibles for our Bibles is so overwhelming that there's no other piece of literature in the history of the world that has more manuscript evidence and it goes back to the first century and there are thousands I think Twenty-four thousand, I think, is the number coming to my off, off-hand uh, parts and pieces of manuscripts where they've reconstructed it, and the the disagreement and the ambiguity is like a fraction of a percent or maybe a percent, and it touches on nothing significant. You know, do we put a do we end the sentence here? or Do we not end the sentence here? Uh, Joseph's coat of many colors. Maybe it was really a coat of big sleeves or. You know, <laughs> things like this, uh, but nothing that changes the meaning or substance, so that what you hold in your lap is wholly reliable, completely trustworthy, and is authoritative for directing us. Again, sixty-six books, thirty-nine in the Old, twenty-seven in the New uh, Testament. We don't recognize the Apocrypha as being inspired or authoritative, and there sh- therefore should not be in the Bible. By the way. Uh, If you speak to a Roman Catholic, the word apocryphal is offensive to them. They prefer you use the phrase deuterocanonical. (laughs) I happened to go into a Roman Catholic bookstore once, didn't realize it was a Roman Catholic bookstore. And I'm picking up the Bibles, and I'm like, do you have anything? The guy goes, can I help you? I said, do you have anything without the apocrypha in it? (laughs) We prefer deuterocanonical. Sorry.
3: (laughs) You're talking about God-breathed. Now, that doesn't imply that Paul and, and Luke and others that were writing the Bible they weren't just stenographers or secretaries taking down
0: right. exactly what Right. correct? C- correct. so we, we believe that the inspiration the process of in- inspiration is that the Lord is working through and I, this is how I like to think of it um, again and it comes back to the sovereignty of God how big is God God created Paul in the womb of his mother. He gave him predispositions. He gave him uh, a temperament. He gave him all the things he was wired with, and God did that knowing that he was going to use Paul later to write a significant part of the New Testament. We see Paul's fingerprints. We see his disposition, his words, his, his language, how he phrases things, his theological mind. Uh, grappling with truth, and God has worked in such a way—organic inspiration, I think, is the phraseology we'd use—where we see their personalities come through on every page of Scripture. For instance, so if you read Mark, the Gospel of Mark, this is the Mark who deserted Barnabas and Paul and uh, and Perga or Pathos, but he deserts him, and later he comes back around, Mark working in conjunction with Peter writes down the gospel of mark and it's interesting to see mark mark's the shortest of the the gospels right and what's mark's famous famous word that he uses immediately immediately the book just clicks along right and goes very fast and immediately this 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 you see their personalities come through their words come through and so god is so big that he's using the personalities and what he has made them to be to accomplish and give us the exact thing we need to have. I think people have too far, far too small a view of who God is, um, and that's why we say, "Well, that's that's that can't happen." Like, "What can't happen? What's impossible for God? Nothing's impossible for Him." So, um, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, it's, it's God-breathed, but it's not like. They just took you
0: down. Dictation. Like, it down. What do they call that when it's um, that automatic writing thing? I forget what, I think it's called automatic writing. Okay. They're, um, their brain's on check and they're just writing things down. Um, so we believe that God's word is, is breathed. Therefore it is infallible. All it says has come, is coming, and will come true, as it is impossible Says the scriptures, it is impossible for God to lie. Impossible for Him to lie. Questions about that, about the Word of God. This is the this is the final authority on everything that takes place in the church. We believe, um, therefore, that its doctrine of salvation to be the perfect and only true doctrine of salvation. And we're going to look up some scriptures here in just a second. Uh, Kay, would you look up Matthew seven, thirteen through fourteen? Charlie, uh, John fourteen six. Doug, Acts four twelve, and Lindy. Ephesians two eight through ten. Uh, the doctrine of salvation uh, that we present and we believe we believe is the perfect and only true doctrine of salvation. Matthew Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Uh, That it teaches a way of salvation that is unlike uh, any other doctrine or religion in the world. Rather than a doctrine or tradition of man which teaches that man must merit favor from God by those things that he does or doesn't do, we believe the Bible teaches that salvation is a gift from God accomplished by God on behalf of the sinner. The world sees man as making his way to God. The Bible teaches that salvation is God making the way for man, and I I would I would challenge anyone on that statement um, because I truly believe there are only two religions in the world when you boil them all down, <clears throat> and I know of no other uh, faith, and that's why that's one of the things. In in Islam, you blow yourself up for God. That's how you merit things right in Catholicism it's I'm doing my deeds and and I've been involved with the Roman Catholics in town and I got to tell you there's something off with what they do and I, I mean that we're, we're co-belligerents when it comes to fighting abortion they look at it very differently than a Protestant looks at it if, if I'm if I'm a, a faithful Protestant because they look at it as this is our, mission this is our evangelism get do away with abortion but let me ask you this if we did away with abortion and we stop spitting our bubble gum on the sidewalks and we quit our cussing would that make us fit for heaven it would not you see the gospel is about what Christ has done for the sinner that's what sets apart apart biblical Christianity from all the other religions in the world because in biblical Christianity We boast not in ourselves, we boast in the Lord who has accomplished it for us. That's an important point. Again, that's what we're going to preach. Now, we encourage people to walk in obedience, but your obedience is to be an overflow of the heart that has been touched by grace. It is not what we render to God so that we secure his favor. Does that make sense? And you'll see here that throughout the worship service, we were taking up, you know, we were what? I think we were formally uh, eleven years. It was 2013. The church was formally organized or recognized as a congregation, and so we've morphed over the years as to how we handle ties and offerings. And originally, we just put a box in the back and said, "Just kidding. And then one of the elders said, "You know, we ought to be giving thanks to the Lord for these things." And the session said, so "That's good." So we should do that. And so they, Brian Blake would bring up the offering box and he'd present it and and we'd pray. And then one, one lady said, she's no longer with us. She was with us just for a short time. She goes, I think it's terrible. You, you guys are boasting about your gifts to the Lord. And I said, no, no, we're not boasting at all. I mean, this is hardly worth boasting about, right? Who knows what we got in the box on any given Sunday. <clears throat> And so you, you'll hear me say this because she, she accused us of we're boasting in our tithes and offerings to the Lord. I said, no, we're, we're presenting them to the Lord because of his grace to us. You'll hear this throughout the service. I try to weave that in to constantly remind us that it's not about what we have done. And by the way, we're not the audience and worship. Who is? It's God. You see, it's a very different thing. So, um, two religions i maintain one is right and all the rest are wrong
1: that
0: makes me very narrow doesn't it Matthew 7 13 and 14
1: enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it
0: what is that narrow way John 14 6
1: Jesus
3: saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts Uh, (coughs) 4.12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved.
0: (coughs) No other name. (coughs) Um, um, I was coming back from San Diego one day. I went to a conference with Peter Jones that he was teaching wonderful conference, really like Peter Jones. Um, I stop at this Home Depot and I'm gonna pick up some of those little cute (laughs) cacti. I'm gonna bring them back and I'm gonna put them in a pot. So I stop and they're outside garden center and the lady saying, I said, can I have a little box to get my cacti home safely? She goes, oh of course, where are you traveling to? Wyoming and a conversation ensues she goes, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm a pastor. Oh, my grandfather was a pastor. He pastored a church down in Texas and he planted churches. And I said, and how about you? She goes, I'm a Buddhist. And I said, oh, I said, what do you, what do you make of Jesus? And she goes, well, he's, he's part of the way. He's kind of, I said, like an avatar. She goes, yeah, yeah, he's, he's part of the way. I said, that's kind of funny, because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. I always find it so interesting that everyone claims Jesus, but Jesus claims no one except himself. <laughs> well, how to win friends and influence people, right there.
1: Did
0: you get your box? I got my box, <laughs> and I got shooed out the door pretty quick. She she definitely turned, but, but this is the funny thing, is how narrow the world... They're fine with Jesus. I've mentioned this, I don't know, half a dozen times over the years, quoting the Doobie Brothers. Jesus is just all right with me. And I go, every religion is just all right with Jesus. But notice, friends, Jesus never mentions, and he could have mentioned Buddha. He was before the time of Christ. Jesus never mentions Buddha. He never mentions Zoroaster. He never mentions the Pantheon or the Parthenon. These these things were myths and were well and alive during this time. Notice Jesus Christ never mentions anyone, but he's awfully exclusive. We are a church that is awfully exclusive. Again, we welcome all manner of people. If a homosexual wants to turn from his sin and come to Christ, he would be welcomed to the Lord's table. The pedophile turns from his sin and believes upon the Lord Jesus, he is washed. If a drunkard whoever it is they turn from their sin they're welcome but there's only one way and that is Jesus Christ and we come after the manner in which he instructs and so Ephesians 2 8 through 10 Lindy
1: for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing it is a gift of God not as a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared
0: beforehand, that we should walk in Amen. So there is one right way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ alone. Do you believe this? That's what this church believes. Do you believe this? So, what is this true uh, doctrine then of salvation? And, and again, this is this is very brief, but uh, very to the point. Paul writes in 1 Timothy one fifteen. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. So we want to look at and consider this first: Who is God? Um, Isaiah 6, Anastasia 1 through 3, 3 uh, Psalm 15, and Michaela Matthew 5:48. <coughs> Who is God? This is where Peter Jones. He had a book called "One or Twoism." Really good, um, and he Peter Jones is fascinating guy. He was the he's a son in law of Edmund Clowney. Edmund Clowney was a one time professor or president of Westminster Seminary. Uh, Peter Jones hooked me with his writings when he said. I came over to the United States um, um, as a seminary student from England. He says, my, one of my best friends came over to the United States as well with a little-known rock band called The Beatles. He was friends with John Lennon, and they used to hang out and do poetry together and things like this. John Lennon was a New Ager. Peter Jones was not a New Ager. Peter Jones uh, makes this wonderful distinction between oneist or twoist, uh, theology the two is there's a creator and then there's creatures the one is conflates the creature and the creator so that man is kinda like a God unto himself you know you hear Oprah talk about Christ consciousness and these sorts of things but um, the scriptures are very plain that there is a God is a creator and then there's the creature one is infinite and the other is finite and we can go on and on, but listen to here, Isaiah 6, 1 through 3.
1: <clears throat> okay. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high, and lifted up. And a train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory.
0: Okay. We know that, the holy, holy, holy. You're familiar with uh, what it You make a statement and then a comparative statement and then a superlative statement. What's what's the the comparative of good? Better. Better. And what's the superlative of good? Best. Best. And so when the writer of Hebrews stresses holy, 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 he's saying, in effect, you can't get more holy than who God is. Holy in character, right? righteousness, he is a consuming fire, says the writer of Hebrews. No one can stand in his presence um, uh, unless unless you are righteous. And, And that's what we read in Psalm 15.
1: Sojourn in your tent, who shall dwell on your holy hill, he who walks blamelessly and does what is right, and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest, and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never.
0: Okay, who who can dwell? Can you read verse one again? Oh
1: Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall
0: dwell on your holy hill? Okay, who can have fellowship with God? And then he gives a list of things that that um, demonstrate a righteousness. Matthew five forty-eight.
1: Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect.
0: Hmm. How's it going? <laughs> How's it going for you? Right. This is this is the holy God. This is what He demands to be in His presence. You must be holy. You must be perfect. What's man's problem? Kyle, do you have your scriptures handy. Yeah. Can I have you read for us Romans five twelve through nineteen. Uh, Morgan, Romans three twenty three, and uh, Catherine, we'll have you read Ephesians two one through three. see, God is holy, man is fallen. Romans five, twelve through nineteen.
2: It says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so death spread to all men. Because all sin for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not. Like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of the one who
0: was to come. All we can do? Uh Okay. But the
2: free gift is not like the trespass, or if many died through one man's trespass. Much more have the grace of God in the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Life through the one man Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men.
0: Thank you. Um, so you, you notice this is Paul is writing Romans five. He talks about how we're all descendants of Adam and Eve, and because of Adam and Eve's sin, uh, all death has come to all men. We we have incurred the debt and the guilt. Of our first father Adam we we have taken this on and so we have original sin we are sinful David speaks of himself in uh, Psalm 51 verse 5 he talks about in sin I was conceived and in iniquity I was brought forth um, he's a baby which I believe is an argument why we ought to recognize the baby as a human being is that he, he they are even in the womb attributed sin and guilt are attributed to them even in the womb sin is never attributed to an animal it's a person and and David would speak of that and so because we are fallen and sinful and under the guilt and judgment of God uh, we actually sin we sin because we are sinners that's why we do what we do Uh, it's a it's really quite a hopeless condition Romans three twenty three,
1: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.
0: Okay, we spoke of the holiness or glory of God. Here, we've all fallen short, says Paul in Romans 3. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, listen to this. This is she's speaking of Jews and Gentiles. Again, from the biblical perspective, that's there's two kinds of people, Jews and Gentiles. Jews and everyone else. <laughs> um, go ahead, Catherine. And
1: you...
0: Children of wrath. Speaking of Jews and Gentiles, we're children of wrath. That's what we are. Um, so again, we're we're looking at what is this perfect gospel? The, the, and gospel means good news. To to understand good news, you must understand bad news. Because news isn't good if there's nothing to compare it to. It was like living in San Diego. They every day the weatherman to get on there it's going to be 77 today in blue skies. I'm like, why do they pay this guy? They just have the janitor come and do this. And uh, They say this every day and then you don't appreciate that until you realize that three days out of the year you're going to be slammed with so much rain and and, uh, and storm that it actually makes the sunshine welcome. We don't welcome good news unless we first hear the bad news. Um, uh, sin because we are sinful, we deserve judgment. Uh, Seth, Romans 6, 23, and K, Matthew 13, 36 through 43. Matthew 13, 36 through 43. Again, sin not only deserves judgment, but will be judged. That's bad news. Go ahead, Seth.
3: For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord.
0: Okay. What is the wages what are the wages of sin? Death. 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 We'll be judged for our original sin and for our actual sins. By the way, what is sin? that's lovely look at this married couple finishing each other's statements and the catechisms nonetheless that's any transgression of any one of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God God says you shall not murder that we hate or guilty of murder God says you shall not commit adultery you look at a woman with lust in your heart you embrace another man's wife or vice versa Um, it is adultery Uh, he says keep my name holy, don't misuse my name, Uh, we say GD, we we rant and rave and things like this, or we say we're Christians and we don't behave as a Christian, or we come to the Lord's table in a haphazard, careless manner, or we steal, or we we lie, or we covet, or we steal, you know, on and on. We do these things, and thought, word, and deed, that's a transgression, each transgression how many transgressions was it that that got um, Adam and Eve exiled from the garden mind you it was just one what does that tell you about the holiness of God and how he can't bear even one sin he can't he won't he doesn't and so we have a problem sin will be judged Matthew 13 36 through 43
1: then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who has ears let him hear the key yeah
0: hear that the wheat and the tares the wheat are gathered up and the tares are burned with everlasting fire the scriptures speak of a literal hell and there is a judgment how shall we flee um, again Christ came into the world to save sinners. Charlie, 2 Corinthians 5.21 and Doug, Isaiah 53, 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And then uh, Lindy, would you look up Acts 16, 31 through 33? And Anastasia, let's have you read Romans 5, 1 through 2, and Bree, Romans 8, 1. Go ahead, Charlie. 2 Corinthians 5.21
3: For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him.
0: Okay, and Isaiah 53,
3: 3-6 He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not steam him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows; yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten, my God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray; we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us
0: all. You hear what what the gospel is. The good news is is that while you deserved to be punished for your sins, Christ himself intervened and took on the punishment that you deserved upon himself. He was wounded uh, for our transgressions. We have been the sheep who have gone astray, but he was punished in our stead. And that's what the gospel is, that you don't have to live under your sin you don't have to abide there under that guilt any longer. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will deliver you from the condemning wrath. Who do you need to fear? You need to fear the wrath of God. That's what you need to fear. And Christ came so that you would not have to endure that wrath. That's the gospel. Call it, and it is. It's narrow. It's a very narrow way. But I'm telling you, he welcomes all sinners. I have seen some of the most beautiful thing you know I love I love music I grew up near south of of Cleveland Ohio everyone had a guitar I have an electric guitar I have an electric guitar Um, I love a guitar so I love these things And I read of Brian Welsh I think he was a guitarist I think he's a guitarist at least the vocalist for the band Korn I I never followed Corn. they were big in the 90s this guy, he's he's the kind of guy you would be afraid of meeting in a back alley. He's got tattoos. He's got, I mean, everywhere. Yeah, he cornrows. He's got, he is one sick-looking dude. And he says, my daughter was 13, or he's a little girl, I don't know, 8, 9. She's walking around the house singing one of my songs, and the words she was singing were horrible. And he goes, well, what am I doing? Oh, how can I let my daughter sing this song? And he says, I was unsatisfied. He goes, I had everything. I had everything the world promises to give you. And I won't mention it because of little ears. But, and he says, and I was completely unsatisfied. And a friend kept inviting me to church. He goes, I go to church, I hear the gospel. And he goes, the love of Christ was so overwhelming to me. And then some of you have watched LA Inc. I've never watched it. This young lady, the, the tattoo artist down there, has left Los Angeles, and she goes, I've come to Christ. She was baptized. There's a whole big thing. This, this lady is just rough looking, again, all the tattoos and everything, and she makes a very credible profession of faith, of the love and the forgiveness that are found in Jesus Christ. I don't know what sins you come, what baggage you have that you come into this church with, but I'm telling you what, what Christ declares clean is clean. And your hope is Jesus Christ alone. So listen to this, and we're going to close with these things. The scriptures are very plain that we are called to believe upon Jesus Christ and you will be saved, period. Acts 16, 31 through 33.
1: And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house.
0: Okay. Saved from what? From the wrath of God, which will be revealed on Judgment Day. Uh, Romans 5, 1 through 2.
1: Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God.
0: And Romans 8, 1 therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus okay by faith we look to jesus christ we believe upon him and we are delivered from the wrath to come i would say that's good news (laughs) and that's the gospel we preach Uh, so do you believe what the bible that the bible god's word teaches us and are you resting in this truth and will you support and promote this truth in the church and in our community that's our first vow That's what we want to see you all be able with a clear conscience, be able to adhere to that. Um, Let's close in prayer and we'll get over there so that we can start preparing for worship. Thank you, Father, again for this day and for this uh, group of uh, folks. Father, we do thank you for your grace to us in Jesus Christ. We know Lord, were it not for the Lord Jesus, we would be utterly consumed, eaten alive by guilt and under your condemning wrath because of what you have done, we have hope. And we have this peace now. And no longer do we fear, rightly, condemnation. Oh, Father, we pray that our time in your word this morning will lend itself to our singing your praise with all our hearts. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Next week we will cover vow two. And Michaela, we'll get this sent to you. Okay. Okay, say hi, Daddy. Say hi Daddy. hi, Daddy. No, louder. Hi, Daddy. Go, go get, here, here, <laughs> Let's see. Tell me your name. Brinley? Brinley. And how old are you? Five. And can you say, um, welcome to the Quiet Islands? No, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs>